Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. The prophet Isaiah, 800 years before the birth of Christ, foretold the Savior who would come and what would happen to him. He would be rejected and despised. He would be crucified. He would carry our sorrows. He would bear our iniquities. Isaiah the prophet asked a probing question. Who has believed this report? The same question can be asked today whenever the gospel is preached. Who is going to believe this marvelous report? Who is going to trust in this good news? In today's broadcast, Speaker Peter Ramsey takes a look at the Ethiopian finance minister, written about in the book of the Acts. This man went to Jerusalem and was able to obtain a portion of Isaiah's writings, namely chapter 53, and read the story for the first time. With the help of Philip the Evangelist, he was able to see that the Jewish prophet who had recently been crucified in Jerusalem was the very man that Isaiah had been writing about and speaking about. We hope that you listen to this wonderful story of a man who believed the report, Isaiah's report, written so many years earlier. It's the same message that we preach today. 750 years before Christ came to earth, God used the ancient prophet Isaiah to record incredible, very specific truth about the sufferings of Jesus on the cross, who would suffer, how he would suffer, and why he would suffer. I don't know whether you would call yourself a believer right now. I know what I am. In fact, we're going to look at a verse in the New Testament before we go to Isaiah 53. We're going to look at John chapter 3 and verse 36. He or she who believes in the Son has everlasting life. That's the part of the verse that I am in. Wasn't always there, but for 50 years, I've been in part one of the verse. Now, you might be on the flip side. This is the flip side, and it's the side you want to get away from. And he or she who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him or on her. So it's pretty straightforward. There's no fog or gray area when it comes to this message from the Bible that we're speaking. You are either one who believes in the Son and you possess now, not hope to in the future, you are a current possessor of eternal life, or you're with this group of people on planet Earth. Those who do not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Now, to the Old Testament, we're going to read in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 1. The ancient prophet Isaiah writes, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Report. I am one who has believed God's report. Have you? So that's what Isaiah 
asked in that opening verse of Isaiah 53, verse 1, he says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? God's report given to you. You know what a report is. An examination, results come in. It could be a doctor's report, diagnosis, prognosis, treatment interventions. Well, this is God's report. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord, that just speaks of strength. There's not much strength in my arm. I wish there was more. But this is the arm of the Lord, and there's tremendous strength. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you've engaged in in your life. But I can tell you, the arm of the Lord is reaching out to you just now. And there's nothing that he would love better for you than to save you. The strong arm of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, his arm of salvation. This is an intersection with God. I'm just a spokesperson. But it's like God's strong arm is reaching out to you in his goodness and in the riches of his grace. And he wants to save you. Why don't you believe God's report? How do we know? Who can know? What can we know? The Bible has all the authority of heaven behind it. For centuries before Christ was born, God's long, strong arm reached out to the nation of Israel. That's the context here in Isaiah 53. God reached out to them with patience and loving kindness and mercy not unlike he's reaching out to you in your life. Kindness, patience, mercy, grace. But like so many today, the people that Isaiah was writing about, they resisted, they rebelled against, they refused God's overtures of love. I wonder, as I'm speaking just now, if anyone listening has actually refused God's love reaching to you, little things in life that have given you God thoughts, that's not coincidental. That is the Spirit of God working in your life. And it's like he's reaching out to you with his long arm, and you're refusing God's love. Isaiah was writing about a people who had refused God's loving kindness and had turned their backs on him. So they did it in Isaiah's day. Isaiah predicted or prophesied that they would not believe even when God came to earth in human flesh. We know him as Jesus. They would still not believe. That's what Isaiah is writing about. How much evidence did they need before they would believe the report? So when Jesus came to planet earth, the apostle John wrote, John chapter 12, verse 37, John wrote these words, although Jesus did so many miracles before them, It says, yet they believed not on him. So they saw all these signs proving that he was God in human flesh. And it says, yet they believed not on him. And then John went on to say, verse 38 of John 12, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. So here it is quoted in the New Testament, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? So this is taken right into the New Testament out of Isaiah 53. It's incredible that regardless of the mountain of evidence that they saw in Jesus when he was here on earth, they refused to believe. You know, I am speaking to some people at least who know the gospel message. 
and they say they don't know how to believe. You say, the Bible says, if you believe, you will be saved. If you believe, you will have eternal life. But you say, I don't know how to believe. Maybe you're the one who's saying, but I can't believe. I don't know how to believe. You know, it's one thing not to believe if the evidence is just not there. But you don't believe when the evidence is spelled out, maybe, in black and white in your Bible. We talked about how you know that this is the Word of God, and yet you still do not believe. It is not believing that is complicated. You believe some things every day. So your problem must be something else. It wasn't that Isaiah wrote about his nation who could not believe. He wrote about those who would not believe. Quite a difference, isn't there? That is still the issue. People refuse to believe. And I hope you'll take this kindly, but as far as I can tell from the Word of God, when people refuse to believe, it is a form of rebellion against God. It's distrust. In fact, in one place in the Bible, it says your unbelief is calling God a liar. First John 5 verse 10 says, he who does not believe God has made God a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given us about a son. So I'm going to ask you again, which part of this verse are you in? Can you say, Peter, I am right there. I want to scream out, yes, I believe he is a son who died on the cross for my sins, and I am a possessor of everlasting life. Or maybe I'm speaking to you right now, and you are the one who does not believe the son, and you shall not see life, but the wrath of God is abiding on you. Romans 10, verse 13, the apostle Paul wrote, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So John quoted those words from Isaiah 53, verse 1. Paul is writing them now in Romans 10. Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? And then he wrote, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know what this hearing is. It's not just hearing audible sounds. This is when you hear in your heart, and you respond, and drink it in. No, I love the beautiful stories in this great book, the Bible. Real people, real issues, not fiction characters, not mythical characters. There's a really fascinating story about Isaiah 53. There was a man studying God's report, and he was wanting to know more about it. And it's obvious in the story that his heart has been softened. It has been touched. It has been opened to receive the report. I wonder, is your heart open to receive God's report right now? You can read this very interesting story. We're not going to read it. It's in Acts chapter 8. But let me tell you a little bit about it. It's the Ethiopian finance minister, we would call him today. He had taken a leave of absence. He had gone on a religious pilgrimage all the way up to Jerusalem. And now he was leaving the big city of Jerusalem. And he was traveling back home across the desert in his chariot. Somewhere along the way, he got a copy of Isaiah. Yes, the Isaiah that is in your Bible and mine. It wasn't in a printed book like this. It would be in a scroll. And he's reading the scroll as he's in the chariot. I don't know what his entourage looked like, how many other chariots were accompanying him. I don't know whether it was a bulletproof chariot. He was the finance minister. 
but he was oblivious to everything around him, and he was completely absorbed in what Isaiah wrote. And so he reads the first part of Isaiah chapter 1 in our Bibles, verse 5, from the sole of the foot to the crown of the head. There's nothing in it but sin. And he's thinking, that's true of me. I am a sinner. And then he reads some more. Verse 18 of the very first chapter, I need cleansing. I need forgiveness. And the prophet he is writing, he says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins, yes, I have sins. And he's reading it in the scroll. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. He's reading the report. Isaiah himself got a glimpse into the holiness of God. You read that in chapter 6 of Isaiah. Angels who are in the presence of God, crying back and forth to each other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah got a glimpse of the holiness of this one. I wonder if the Ethiopian man was thinking, even with one sin, I'm not holy. I am not fit to stand before God when I die. I can't enter heaven. And he keeps reading the scroll, the report. He gets to Isaiah chapter 7, and he reads that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Wow. I can almost see him thinking, this is incredible. A son. He gets to chapter 9, and he's reading, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. To us a son is given. I'm talking to some of you, and you know whose son that was given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But the man from Ethiopia didn't know anything about that. And then he's going through the scroll, and he gets to chapter 52 and chapter 53. And he's reading about someone who was oppressed and who was afflicted, someone who was wounded for transgressions and bruised for iniquities, someone who took the punishment in order for us to have peace. And he's reading down that chapter and he's wondering who, who is he? Who was despised and rejected of men? Just let me stop. Try to read Isaiah 53 every day this week, only 12 verses in it. And he's reading this for the first time. Who is he that was despised and rejected of men? How did he die? Says sheep to a slaughter. He was led. Why didn't he open his mouth? In our place condemned he stood. Why was he wounded? Why was he crushed for our iniquities? Could he have been a substitute for someone? Did he die instead of me? But who is he? I don't know. And he had all these questions. And God, just like he has his eye upon you, God had his eye on that Ethiopian man. And he sent him an evangelist by the name of Philip. And right into that desert scene. And the chariot is going over the desert sands. And Philip is jogging alongside. And he looks up and he can see the Ethiopian man reading this scroll. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? What a shock in the middle of a desert. Ah, uh, don't you ever underestimate God's love for you. He loves you. God loved that one man in the desert. He said, how can I understand unless someone tells me what I'm reading? The chariot stops and Philip climbs in. Yes, this is all in Acts chapter 8. 
gets up there and he says, where are you reading in your Bible in the scroll? Let me see. And he says, I'm reading right here, this part of Isaiah. Oh, can't you see Philip's eyes light up? He says, you're reading about Jesus. He says he preached unto him Jesus. It was Jesus who was wounded on the cross for our transgressions. It was Jesus who was crushed and on the cross for our iniquities, wounded and bruised. He took the punishment in order for us to have peace with God. And by his stripe, by his stroke of judgment that he took upon himself, you can be healed. You see the eyes of that Ethiopian man bulging wide and almost disbelief, not unbelief, disbelief. Could it be that he loved me and that the same one died in my place, was wounded on the cross for me? And they're having this dialogue back and forth. And you know what happened in the chariot? The Ethiopian man believed, believed. And the rest of the story says he was baptized right there at a pool in the desert. And it says the man went back to Ethiopia rejoicing. Oh, can't you see him smiling from ear to ear? Finally, peace with God. My career couldn't give me peace. I couldn't find joy in the pleasures of Ethiopia. But I found it in Christ alone. And he went on his way home rejoicing. Well, he believed. Have you ever believed? God has spoken his word in the word of God, the Bible. This book has survived many attacks. Its reliability, its authenticity, those who read it most question it the least. And those who have made it their lifelong study have mined gold and treasures from its pages. What does the Bible mean to you? Will you commit to reading it? Oh, it's not a bunch of oral traditions preserved and transmitted from generation to generation. God breathed out this book. This is God's operating manual for the human family. God's requirements are in this book. God's operating standards, our own sinfulness, that's all here, and God's wonderful remedy, all in this one book. You know what you do when you have a piece of equipment or an appliance and you have a problem with it? You go online, you look up the model number, and then you go to the troubleshooting section and you find out. Have you ever been troubled about your sin? And you go to the troubleshooting section of the Bible and you read Romans 3, all have sinned. You go to Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. That's in Isaiah 53. Maybe you're lost tonight straying. There's no problem with your intellectual capacity. That's not the issue. You're just lost in life. And there's one that's wrong arm reaching out to save you. God is a message for you. You know, you hear people say, well, you have my word for it. Put that in writing, please. You know, God is as good as his word, and he has put his word in writing for you. This is what the Bible is. You can accept what your school books say, what scientists, what mathematicians, what historians say, but you cannot trust the Bible. Strange. Like people will believe a news report that a, let's say, a thousand pound purple lobster with two meter long claws that it was seen off the coast. But the fisherman's camera broke just as he was taking the picture. And you would believe that. But yet you can't believe what God has given you. What part of this book don't you believe? Like, you believe that God created everything? Oh, some of you say, yes, I believe he's a creator. So you believe that part. 
you believe that you're a sinner? Oh, I, I believe it's in the Bible, and I, I know it in myself. I'm a sinner. You believe that there's heaven and hell after one dies? How do you know that? You say, well, it's in the Bible. You believe the Lord is coming again? How do you know? It's in the Bible. You actually believe that Jesus died on the cross, maybe. And you may say, it's in the Bible. You may believe all of that, because some of you are very familiar with this message. So what don't you believe? The one part you don't believe is a part that says, Jesus died for your sins. Is that the part of the Bible that needs to be cut out? You say, it's not true. Everything else I believe, but I cannot believe that part of the Bible that says, Jesus died for my sins. Every place the Bible tells you that Christ died for our sins, you think that's the part that needs to be erased? I know you have enough evidence and facts to believe right now. Why are you hesitating? You have the universe all around you that operates with such precision and demonstrates so much stability and predictability. It is inconceivable that it all came about without a master designer, without a creator. So you have the universe around you. That's evidence. You have the inspired word of God. You have the evidence of your own experience with sin, which the Bible describes in so many ways. You have an internal voice, a conscience informs you of guilt. You have the testimony of other Christians say, look at, I am a transformed person. The grace of God changed my life completely and my destiny, but yet you're not willing to believe. The Bible speaks of a class of people who will perish on believing, never willing to believe, regardless of the facts. You can read about them in Revelation 21 and verse 8. There was a man in Luke 16, story that Jesus told, and he didn't believe, and he ended up in a place of torment forever, hell. Jesus told the story. And that man wanted a special message sent to his siblings so they could avoid the eternal tragedy that he was experiencing. And the message came back that his siblings had the inspired words of God's prophets, like Isaiah, but they refused to believe. And the man pleads, he says that if someone goes to my brothers and warns them, they would repent. And the message back from heaven was, even if someone rose from the dead and spoke to them, they would not be persuaded to believe. That's in Luke 16. Sadly, too many refused, outright refused to believe and to surrender to Christ. How tragic. I'm going to ask you which part of John 3, verse 36 you're in. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Which part of that verse are you in? Would you put aside all of your questions and all the excuses for not believing up until now? Friend, this is decision-making time. Are you a believer or a non-believer? Those who believe, the Bible says, have eternal life. Those who refuse to believe, the wrath of God abides upon their heads. Yes, we hope that you too will believe the report. It will make the difference in where you will spend eternity. We all have sins that need to be forgiven. It's not by chance that God has brought this report to your ears today. Will you believe it? Will your sins be forgiven? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point 
has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you would like some literature that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. Our Anchor Point messages are also available for listening and download at anchorpointradio.com. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.